to The Coach's Nook, your weekly boost of coaching caffeine. I'm Anna Maria. I'm Vicenta. We are two certified professional coaches who are passionate about helping people move towards the life that they want to lead. Every episode, we'll be sharing practical tools and techniques that are easy enough to implement right away so you can experience the impact of coaching for yourself. Grab your favorite drink and join us for the conversation. We are thrilled to introduce Kathy Rashidian, our fellow IPEC colleague. She's an ADHD and executive coach, former corporate executive rock star turned ADHD and executive coach. She supports professionals through ending their battle with the ADHD beast so they can harness and maintain the momentum of their incredibly powerful brains. Kathy, welcome. Hello, Yay! ladies. Hello. What an Hello. honor. What This is so much fun already. Thank you for having me on your show. We are so grateful to have you. Thank you. Absolutely. So I'm going to kick it off with the first question. Kathy, how did you get into life coaching? In other words, what's your story? Great question. How, what's my story? How, how much time do we have? As long as you want. <laughs> Uh, no, let, let's let me see if I can try to keep it short and concise with my ADHD brain. I, I tend to go off tangents, so I'm going to try to keep it short and brief. I've I was in the corporate world for about 20 years in marketing and digital marketing and was I like to consider myself as, as successful in doing some amazing things. I was lucky to work with some major uh, enterprises and brands and really doing some transformational work in tech. Uh, fast forward to about 41, at, at actually at the age of 40, my daughter was born and uh, she was my miracle child, my gift from God. And um, that came with a whole lot of changes in my life. Uh, fast forward again, after a year and a half of having her, I found myself in my family physician's office a lot. And I was complaining about stress. I was complaining about depression. I was complaining about um, just feeling burnt out. Just to inject in there that when she was five months old, I went back to work. And knowing what I know now, I had no business going back to work having a five-month-old baby. But at the time, I didn't know any better. I was, you know, I was like, well, I've been always go, go, go. I got stuff done. I had this itch to go back into corporate and also be a mom. So, wasn't realistic. And um, yeah, I went back to work and, and burnt out really. So my family physician kept asking me to do an assessment around ADHD. And to me at the time when she would bring up ADHD, the, the ignorance that I had about it was it was for kids and it was for people that were hyper. And I was, you know, I wasn't a kid and I wasn't hyper. I was actually very calm. Uh, so one day I remember walking home, we went for a walk, my daughter and my little dog. And on the way home, I couldn't walk anymore. 
Uh, it was like as if there was glue on the ground and and I was just stuck to the ground. And I've got the baby in one hand, the dog in the other. And I'm like, I can't walk back home. So I called my sister. She came and got us. And I went back to the doctor. I said, OK, something's off because it was just a walk and I can't even go for a walk now. What's happening here? And so I took the test and with flying colors, every check mark, every questionnaire that was on there, it was like, you know, interrupting people, not getting stuff done, not being able to start things. All of that was was me to to the nth degree. One thing to note for, for people that are listening to this is my diagnosis and looking at that checklist, it explained my entire life. So if people are thinking about ADHD and thinking, oh, well, I have it because it's all over social media these days, it's all over TikTok, it's all over YouTube and everywhere, please, please do your due diligence, do not self-diagnose. The questions that the doctor asked me after that were important because she was asking me my entire childhood. She went all the way back to childhood, teenagers, in my 20s, how I did in school. So it's like a whole lifespan that the physician will check in on you to make sure that this is a lifelong thing. Because under stress, under burnout, your brain will show symptoms like as if it's ADHD traits, but really that's just the the stressed brain that needs a break. So it's really the traits that she explained to me, I had those in my entire life. So my whole life made sense. From there, I... um, I went to my VP's office and and I remember one day I was really burnt out and I was crying and I said, just package me out, please. Just lay me off. I'm done. I want to go raise my kid. And so they did. I got laid off. And interestingly enough, I took a couple of months off. I went back and did more interviews to go back into the corporate world. But something in there just wasn't right. Something in these interviews, every time I would walk out, I'm like, something's just off here. And for me, that's when I realized, do I want to do marketing for the next 20 years of my life? And it wasn't that. What I really loved about my roles was the leadership side, the mentoring side. And for me, I combined that with, okay, now I know about my ADHD. I wonder how many other coworkers of mine or colleagues have it and and they're just being quiet about it because I was also told, don't talk about it. It's a stigma at work. They'll judge you. They'll, They'll discriminate. So I took that piece and also the mentoring side and I went into coaching and I said, there's got to be a different way to do this. And let me lean into the other strength, which was my mentorship. And then I went into executive coaching. And then from there, I'm like, I want more. This is beautiful. This is awesome. Oh, my God. I had no idea coaching was about asking profound questions and really being a guide to that individual in helping them find their own way. And then from there, I went into the ADD Coach Academy and spent hundreds of hours with the faculty there in training and learning about the ADHD neurology and, and the wiring and bring it all together. And that's that's how coaching came about. Wow. That's incredible. Very yeah. inspiring. Absolutely. So did you, well, I guess you answered the question. Did you choose your niche before or after you decided to become a life coach? I wanted to go into leadership first. And then the more I was into the leadership training program, the conversations I would have with people when I would go into networking, if I was in a room with five people, one of them would say, oh, I have ADHD too. So it kind of, it, it 
drew me there. I was like, okay, maybe this is a thing because I thought I'd be too niche if I just pick ADHD because really it's 5% of population who has it. And it's a small, you know, uh, number, but also at the same time, the minute I would connect with them, I would deeply connect with them. And that was important for me. So I was like, you know what? It keeps drawing me and it, it keeps calling me into go into this, go into this. So then that, that's how I ended up um, registering to get extra training. Wow. That's incredible. Thanks. It's been a journey. <laughs> Isn't life a journey though? Absolutely. And you did mention a checklist when you were speaking before for signs. So if a person does feel they may have it, what do you suggest they do to get diagnosed? Mm-hmm. Good question. I would, if, if you are curious, uh, attitudemagazine.com has, and, and ladies, I'll send you the link and you can put it in show notes because the way they spell attitude magazine is kind of tricky. Uh, they have a self-assessment. So if you go ADHD self-assessment, they have a questionnaire in there that kind of gives you a little bit of a range of here's what it is here. Here's where you're sitting. And I was curious. I gave it to my sister. She came out at 30%, where for me, every time I do it, it's like um, 80 plus percent. You know, some days it's 90%, some days it's 80. It doesn't go down uh, less than 80. That assessment kind of gives you an indicator um, and then to really go have the conversation with your family physician, with a therapist and have the conversation. They know the questions that they're going to ask to pull it out of you, but really go in. And if your family physician says, and this happens and I've seen it happen, I've heard it happen. Some will say, oh, you're an adult. People grow out of it. So unfortunately, even in that industry, there are doctors who, who haven't received enough training. So they'll fall into the myths of ADHD for adults. So really make sure you're talking to somebody who's, who's specialized in ADHD, who understands it, who gets a bit of the knowledge or has had a little bit of training. My family physician, mental health was her niche. So she really knew how to ask the right questions. So it really talked to somebody who knows this. And I've heard others say that well, you've been doing great in life all this time. Why do you need to know about it? Why do you want to have a label? It's not the label. It's the understanding of, okay, now I know this is ADHD. Now I know this is how I function. This is why I crash. This is why I do 20 things all at the same time. It gives you the explanation. And then to go in and read about it, <clears throat> two of my favorites are Dr. Um, Russell Barkley, and Dr. Ned Hallowell, who have done years and years of research on this, go and watch their YouTube channels, go listen to their um, podcasts and really get more information. And ADHD or not, the more knowledge we have about our brain, it helps you become a different person or a more efficient person, if you will. <laughs> mm -hmm. Absolutely. We love neuroplasticity and neuroscience here. So whatever we learn about the brain, it's always fascinating. And it gives us that level of understanding about ourselves where we can go about the world in a different way, you know, and having those tools where, for example, um, my brain needs to rest. So it's important for me to take a break instead of that old adage, well, you know, you just keep going until mm -hmm. you drop. No, 
it's not good for your brain to just keep going. Your brain actually is like a battery and it needs to recharge. So do what you have to do to recharge. I do have a question for you, Kathy, but I'm just fascinated that doctors would think that ADHD, a, a child would grow out of it. That was my understanding for the longest time. I do have a question for you, but can you elaborate a little bit more on that? Yeah, it's just, it's one of the, the myths that's out there, right? That it's only for boys, that you'll grow out of it, that, you know, women are not diagnosed soon enough, often enough, because we tend to hide it. We tend to show it in different ways especially with our hormones, with, with our menses and all that stuff, man, it shows up differently for women. Um, and, and there's still more research coming out for women. So it's, it's just a matter of really understanding that whole thing about some kids, some very small amount. And literally I was in a workshop with Dr. Barkley yesterday. He says, some will grow out of it. Some, the traits will subside a little bit, but then what happens is in others, life, uh, events will exab and uh, um, what's the word? Exacerbate. Thank you. <laughs> and so it's really to to see like for me, motherhood kicked me full force into like oh now my ADHD is making me not function. So I was functioning till motherhood came in. That's why I kind of went under the radar. That's why I was misdiagnosed with depression because untreated ADHD shows up differently. So for me, it showed up as depression. For some, it'll show up as anxiety. Uh, it, it also comes with other things. It comes with some will have dyslexia and ADHD. So some will get diagnosed for dyslexia, but then their ADHD is not noticed. And so it, it kind of has all of these different aspects to it. So the growing out of it is, is just, please, if you ever hear it, tell them, no, that's not true. <laughs> I'm living wow, proof that of that. that is fascinating. Yeah, that is totally fascinating. And actually, in line with that, my, my question is, it sounds like there is a lot more education around ADHD. And have you noticed a mindset shift on how people view ADHD? Man, you know, it's interesting. It's like, have I noticed the shift? I don't, I don't think so. And I want to be real about that because if from the lens that I'm in right now, I feel like everybody around me is ADHD because I'm in this bubble of ADHD community. So I want to say, oh yeah, there's been a shift, but it's because I'm in the bubble of that community. I see it all day, every day. So I'm thinking, no. So for me, the reality of it is when I sit down and have conversations with others and the topic of ADHD comes, I see the discomfort. I see them kind of straightening their back about it and getting uncomfortable. Do I ask her this? Don't I ask her this? Like I see it in their faces. So for me, that's like, we still have more work to do. And, and this advocacy work that I do, I don't think it's ever going to stop. And just normalizing it even more and more that it is one of the conditions that's out there. So instead of calling it mental health and, you know, burnout and all of that stuff, like the cliche stuff, let's call it root cause ADHD leads to burnout, root cause depression. Like these are conditions. These are brain wirings. These are what, what it is. It's, it's there. So it's just, it needs to be more um, talked about. I am so glad then that you are talking about it here in this space Thank where you. we don't, 
you, well, thank you. We don't specialize in ADHD and, and hopefully the word about this episode will get out there and, and show others that, hey, you know, this is a real issue that needs to be discussed. So Absolutely. thank you. Thank, yeah, thank you for being here. Yes. And I echo that and your advocacy that you are doing for ADHD is amazing. And there's a lot more work that needs to be done. And we'll continue to do that and put it out there. My question is, do you have some easy tips for our listeners in regards to dealing with ADHD, like something they can do daily and and maybe support someone close to them that does have it? Mm. Wow. Okay, let, let me ask the answer the the first one and then if I forget the second question remind me again okay tips for for managing it for me the biggest thing for me was being aware of how I'm using my cognitive resources throughout the day so and by cognitive resources is how am I utilizing this brain throughout the day so that I can manage and plan my day accordingly so to give you an example, a day like today, I usually have Fridays and Mondays to myself where I'm just doing deep work. There's no coaching. I'm doing stuff like this. I'm connecting. And so really, I, I will pay attention to how I'm using my brain that day. To give you another example, let's say you, you go into work and it's Monday and you, you're going to get your work started. It's to look back at your Friday, Saturday, Sunday. What did you do in those three days prior to Monday? Because usually we're with the sluggish feeling happens on Mondays. What's happening is, for example, on Sunday, you could have been at a family event, family function. You could have done some gardening. You went, did grocery shopping. Like you really were in the stimulating activities back to back to back to back. For someone with ADHD, that takes a lot out of our executive functioning, that, that part of our brain where it's controlling things because we have to manage our emotions, make sure we're not interrupting somebody, make sure we're on our best behavior, right? Like all of that stuff. So what happens is that on Monday when you wake up, you feel tired is because yes, the last two days, you did so much. You got a lot out of you and it makes sense that on your Monday, you're just not engaged. It's, it's that battery example uh, that you gave is it's the batteries drained. So I like to now do Mondays are for me because Mondays I'm recovering from a weekend of having a little one and just running around and doing all these things. So I no longer try to do coaching and marketing and all of that stuff. It's just not realistic. So it's to pay attention to that energy, how you're using your resources, even as far as when you wake up that day, Literally, I went through this exercise with a client of mine yesterday. He has two appointments and the rest of his day, it would end up that he may not do much. He may just leave. So what we did is we started his day of what are you doing? Where are you going? And from the moment you're waking up, the decision of whether I make coffee or go buy coffee, what clothes to wear, um, making a couple of phone calls, catching up with people making your to-do list, all of that. By the time then you sit down to do the work, you've already used a few of your resources because it's decision-making that is like the hardest for us, right? It takes up so much energy, so much juice. So be careful how much decision-making you're doing at the top of the morning because that's taking away resources. 
So for me, I don't make phone calls anymore. I don't call my mom. I don't call my sister as much as I love them because it'll take away resources, right? It's, it's whatever that comes up in those conversations. And also I don't make it to-do list because I've done it a day before of this is what's in my calendar. I time block the things that I want to get done. And that's how I go through my day. And I notice by midday, I have this like a, like a crash that happens. And I hear it often with, with those with ADHD that they have this afternoon crash and I walk away. I spend 10 minutes absolutely doing nothing, like not even my phone, nothing. It's just sitting there. It could be staring at the garden. It could be putting my feet in the grass. It could be just, just nothingness really. Cause what I'm trying to do is being cautious of how much I'm using my brain to do what. Because if, even if I'm on my phone, I'm still stimulating it. I'm still kind of, you know, going places with my imagination. So for me, the biggest one is be protective of your cognitive resources, put boundaries around what's sucking those resources out of you, minimize it as much as possible so that you can be present for your day. And you'll notice a difference. I notice a difference when I do that. Awesome. The second part of the question is how someone could support another person could be a spouse or a child or someone close to them that has ADHD. Mm -hmm. That's a good question. This topic is important because not only those that support and even companies, organizations, how do you support your staff? I'm doing a talk in a few days on neurodiversity in the workplace and how do we support our staff? And the short answer of it is sit down and just listen, ask questions, be curious. They know what they need. It's, it's just a matter of um, sitting back and listening. People are often too quick to see the opportunities that a person with ADHD could have. So they'll go in and be like, oh, well, you should make a to-do list. Oh, you should do this. You should do that. We know. We know all the things we can do. It's just that this brain of ours doesn't want to boot up to do them. And that's where the impairment comes in. So the more they give us these like, let me help you. Let me help you. It's like, no, wait, let me ask for your help when I'm ready to receive it. So be there to support, to say, when you're ready, literally call me. I'll see what, I'll see how you want me to help you. So for example, the other day, my mom, she came over and we overhauled my house top to bottom. We decluttered, we got rid of a whole bunch of stuff. And my house is not that cluttered, but just having her with me to go through it. And I'm a 45 year old woman and I'll admit this, but sometimes it's just, and I actually told her this, I said, when you're coming in. Don't tell me, don't, don't tell me why this is this. Just be here. I just need the support. And it was amazing. And we got so much done together. And, and just knowing that she's there for me without judgment, without do this, do that. And now she's learned to organize with me the way I want it organized. So for example, the way my pantry is organized is for my eyes, because I forget things, I forget where things are, I'll end up buying another bag of rice, because it wasn't in front of me. So I didn't see it. So understand them fully ask questions, watch for behaviors, if they're leaving their clothes, for example, if you have children with ADHD, and they're doing certain behaviors, actually, those are coping mechanisms. So watch for those and see, oh, I see they're doing this, they're doing that. Okay, 
don't nitpick that, okay, well, this has to go over here. Maybe they're doing that because that whole out of sight, out of mind thing is actually a thing for us ADHDers. If we don't see it in front of us, we will literally forget that it's there. So it's the biggest thing for me is sit down, have that conversation of how can I support you? What does it look like? And another thing that I would say is we are extremely, um, we're, we're people that like to verbal process our, our emotions. We like to talk it out. So by talking it out, actually, we can come to our own conclusions, come to our own solutions. So really let us say it out loud so that we can hear it ourselves so we can come up with our own answers. That is awesome. And the fact that companies are speaking about it, being mm -hmm. from the HR, being an HR professional, amazing. And more companies need to do that. Talk about the neurodiversity of their staff so they can be a support so their staff can perform at their highest potential. Great. That's music to my ears. <laughs> I also love the fact that you mentioned support a number of times in that explanation, seeing the person for who they are and supporting them where they're at. I mean, that is so important. I love that. Now, it sounds like this is your first time at being a solopreneur. And I wanted to ask, is that correct? You're, yeah, this is yeah. your first time. Yeah. yeah. And I wanted to ask you what lessons you have learned that you would like to share. Mm. <laughs> so many. <laughs> the biggest one for me, I'm now about four and a half years into this. I would say that phrase of slow down to speed up. That was my mantra when COVID hit. And it's been my mantra to this day. It's slow down to speed up, slow it way down and give yourself time to process all of this, process this solopreneurship, running your own business, marketing, because as a solopreneur, you're doing everything yourself. It's from the marketing to the accounting, to the copywriting, to getting clients, networking, man, it's so much. It's that minimalistic business owner style kind of a thing. There's nothing wrong with that. And, and to really trust your intuition of what works for you, what makes sense for you. There is, you know, you get on social media, you see all these other people doing it and, and banging it out. And, oh my God, this person yesterday, they were on Instagram with a hundred followers. Today, there is like 3000 followers. How did that happen? How do I do that? And you don't know what the backstory of each of those overnight successes are. You don't know what they've done. You don't know what money they've spent, if, even if they bought those followers, what genuinely is going on behind the scenes. So I always like to say, mind your own business, like literally be in your own business. Don't worry about other people's businesses because you never know. They could be burning out. They could be... Um, sacrificing family life, all of that stuff to get to that, what you're seeing in front of you. And that's not worth it for me. For me, it, it's, it's find your balance. If you're a mom, if you're working full-time and doing this part-time, it's just go at your speed and it's okay. Cause through that journey, you'll even get a better understanding of, well, maybe I want to pivot. Maybe I want to go over here and go over there. So those are the two things for me that 
stand out the most is slow it down for God's sakes, be in the process of it. So you understand and pick up clues along the way and really mind your own business. Who cares? People are on social media on every freaking channel. Do, do you need to have a YouTube channel? No. Do you need to have a podcast? No. Do what's comfortable for you. The, the minute you start doing things that are not in your comfort zone, for me, like, for example, blogging, writing is not my thing. And they were like, oh, well, you need to blog in order to put yourself out there. I'm like, I can't, I, I don't want to. That in itself is a telltale sign of that's not the right activity for you. So it, it shouldn't feel that much of a burden in order for you to do it. So that those are kind of high level. Great tip. And it's so easy. And I find myself doing it and I have to stop that comparison trap, especially when you are on Instagram or Facebook. Every second post is, oh, I got seven figures or six figures in this and Gross. follow me. <laughs> Join my mastermind free. And it's like, okay, Anna Maria, exactly what you said. You don't know the backstory. Can I just say on the seven figure, because you just brought up like a pain point of mine. The seven figure, the six figure, the eight figure, it comes at a cost, people. It comes at a cost. And do you have the resources to do it at that cost? I actually met with somebody because my, my business scaled this year. And I met someone and, and he's like, well, you need to now start doing Facebook ads. You need to hire us so that we could be there for you. And it was like $2,500 a month and all of that to go to seven figure. And I'm like, wait a second, I don't have time to put in. Like my evenings are my evenings. So it comes at a cost of to what cost am I going to make seven figures? Especially if you have a family, especially if you're a mom it's, is it worth it? You know? And, and they were like, well, you do it for a couple of months and then, and then it'll be a well-fueled engine. No, I don't want to sacrifice spending time with my child for the fact that I have to now hire more people. I have to manage people when you're making seven figures and more, even at six figures, you'd have to hire more people. Do you have the energy to hire people and manage them? That in itself, it, it, it takes energy. So it's sometimes, you know, it's glorified of these dollar figures, but it's not about money, man. You went into entrepreneurship to find your own personal truth and freedom. So if it pays the minimum bills, then there's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely. Touche. Words of wisdom. Oh, my goodness. This is so good. I, I love the fact that you said, I don't want to. Some mm -hmm. of us don't want to. Yeah. Because Absolutely. as you said, the, the sacrifice and what is the cost of all of it? So I love that. I don't want to. And, you know, maybe in a year I will want to, but that's right it. now I don't want to. Yep, that's it. And it's always value driven. Yeah. Right. What do you value and what's important to you? So podcasting, you've been doing it for a while. What led mm -hmm. you to podcasting? Selfishly, I wanted to retain all the training material that we were given all this beautiful knowledge that we were given, I was like, um, I need to retain this. And one of the best ways to retain information is to teach it and to say it out loud. And there's science behind that. So for me, every episode, 
I would reteach what I learned. So a lot of my podcast episodes are some of the, the best training material that I received through both IPAC and ADD Academy. And I always give credit where it's due. So that, that's how I started. It was for me to reteach and relearn what I'm learning. Awesome. And I just want to comment, Kathy, you were paramount in helping Vicenta and I start podcasting with all your tips. So we are forever great. My pleasure. And truly appreciate you. My pleasure. We, yeah. we, we were so inspired and all your help in the background. I mean, we're just so grateful. Thank you. <laughs> I am one of those people that whenever I learn something, <clears throat> I'm like, who do I need to share this with? How many people will benefit from it? So I'm glad I'm glad to be here now in your show, 30 plus episodes and you guys are doing amazing. So awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Kathy, anything else you would like to sh share that we may not have asked? Gosh, you guys asked so many good questions. And thank you for giving me this space to talk about ADHD and neurodiversity. It, it, it's such an important topic that needs to be talked about more. So the more people listen to it, it, it helps normalize it. So, so thank you so much for that. Yeah, and we talked about the solopreneurship. So I think for me, if you're starting your own coaching practice is... is to really give yourself that time, that first couple of years to just get to know you, your style and, and get to know the people. It's not about, you know, this chase of clients and I need to sign people up. And when we're coming from that mindset, we're just creating more friction and stress for ourselves. And when you just show up, share your content, keep sharing, be there all the time, be consistent, pick a platform and just be consistently show up in that platform all the time. For me, I started with the podcast and Instagram. Those were the two things that I did. And I did this week over week, week over week. And now I've pulled away from Instagram. I'm no longer active on there. And it was by choice. And my constant is still my podcast. And I show up on LinkedIn a lot these days, but that's it. And maybe one day I'll pull away from LinkedIn also. It's just do it on your own terms. I love that. Showing up authentically, just being who you are and being authentic. This is me. I'm being real. And I love that. Thank you so much. You bet. And that's your, your thing. Just be you. Do you. And that's so that's right. important because when you do you, it happens. It just naturally progresses and flows. And one last question is, if you look back on your journey, is there anything you would change? Um, yeah, that initial pressure that I put on myself in the beginning of, okay, got all the certifications, got all the training. Now let's go get clients. Let's go help the world. I'm all official and I got to do this. I was driving myself crazy. <laughs> so I, I was putting a lot of pressure on myself, but it was, like I said, and nobody has figured this out. Nobody to this day, everybody that says, you know, you look at some people and you're like, oh, they figured it out. No, they're still figuring it out. They're still modifying it. So it, it's, it's that of just slow down, just I would have showed up as just me every week, just doing my own thing that comes across with a different energy versus when you're 
kind of going at it like, okay, every conversation could be a possible candidate. It, it's a different energy. So it, it's for me, my lesson was the minute I let go, that, that's actually what I would say. The minute I let go, I'm sorry, this is me verbal processing that. The minute I let go of the expectation of how this business should be run, and I just leaned into it and I showed up, people started to show up. They wanted to be part of it. They wanted, you know, they wanted to collaborate. I, I ended up with some really awesome business partners. So yeah, I let go and I was just like, I'm just going to share whatever, see what happens. Words of wisdom. My goodness. Such Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. We always end our podcast with a quote. Do us the honor of ending this episode with your favorite quote. It's a kind of quasi quasi quote. It's not like, and I actually, I stitched it with, with something else I heard. So it, it's something like this. It's do everything and create accidental success or do one thing and create intentional success. Wow. Right. I heard that somewhere and I was like, yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. Kathy. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you, ladies. This was so much fun. I'm honored to have been here. This is great. Thank you so much for listening to The Coach's Nook with me, Anna Maria. And me, Vicenta. If you liked what you heard, please hit subscribe and share it with your family and friends. And if you want more information or to schedule a private coaching session with either one of us, please check the show notes on how to reach us. We'd love to hear from you. Remember, never lose sight of where you want to be, which leads me to a quote from an unknown author that we both love. Hold the vision, trust the process. Until next time.